This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Before I preach this morning, I'd like to have you just close your eyes and just listen for a minute. Uh, when my son Tommy was born, there was a song that came out. And uh, it's always had a very, very deep meaning to my heart. Ties in with my message this morning. And uh, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to play this. Uh, You don't mind if I weep a little bit, but I remember bringing him home. My wife was holding him in the car and I put this cassette. It was a cassette back then. I put this cassette in the car. I said, Bonnie, I want you to hear this. And we wept all the way home. And as we did, we were dedicating our son that he would be a preacher one day, a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, we'd, I hope that he, and I know he does, he has this heart in him. And I want this for our church. Just, just listen. I can see it in their eyes Empty people filled with care Headed who knows where On they go their silent cries Only Jesus hears People need the Lord People need the Lord At the end of broken and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Suppose that you were an investor and you'd invested every penny that you had in a farming venture. They could have left during the song. 
Suppose you were an investor and you'd invested every penny you had in a farming venture. You were assured of a ready market for the crop and that all the finest farming techniques would be used to produce a crop of high yield. After months of great anticipation, you're waiting to receive a report from the field. The foreman of the farm comes, the head of operations, and he comes into your office and he says, I simply, he, says, he simply says this, he says, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. How many of you like good news, bad news stories? So thinking that you need a little pick-me-up to handle the bad news, you ask for the good news first. And the foreman, the foreman begins to explain that this year had produced the finest crop he had ever witnessed. The combination of the right strain of seed, the right fertilizer, the timely rains had produced a bumper crop. The food itself was literally hanging on the plants. You think to yourself, this is great news. My investment will surely double itself. How can there be bad news with such a report? But then you ask confidently, what about the bad news? And the foreman, knowing that you had invested everything you owned, looked at you with compassionate eyes and says, there is no one to harvest your bumper crop. All will die in the field, all will be lost. You know, after such a great conference as we've just had, the Action Conference, where our theme was speak out, step out. This morning, I wanted to reflect a little bit and I wanted to examine our church's response to the message that we heard. What is our response to such a message? To speak out, to step out. I think we have to challenge ourselves to do one thing. You see, the whole purpose of Jesus' life was summed up in one sentence. He said it himself. He says, I came to seek and to save the lost. The whole purpose that Jesus came was to seek and to save that which is lost. Throughout scripture, the whole story of the gospel, both in the old and the new, point to a point in time where that which was lost, lost in the first of all in the Garden of Eden, lost each time that men rejected God, rejected God's plan, rejected his commandments, rejected his purposes. Jesus came and he starts preaching and teaching about the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son, and he's all the same message. Because Jesus said, I came that I might seek and I might save the lost. I believe it's up to us to examine ourselves and challenge ourselves to gather God's harvest. This morning I want to examine the harvest itself. Throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament, the Lord uses the analogy of harvest to explain the building of the kingdom of God. He says, 
He uses this analogy. He, he even says at the very end of times, there'll be a great harvest. There'll be a harvesting of the wheat and the tares. He says, I'll bring a harvest of the goat and the sheep and I'll separate the goat from the sheep. I'll separate the wheat from the tare. He says, and I'll bring into my kingdom those that are wheat. But throughout the Bible, he is constantly talking about this great harvest. A harvest is simply those who have been gathered into the kingdom of God. So my first point this morning is the magnitude, the great magnitude of the harvest. Jesus says in this passage of scripture, he says the harvest is plentiful. The magnitude of the numbers of the harvest is vast. You know, everywhere you go, you see more and more people don't know Christ. In this country, although we've had a great revival, there are so many that don't know him. In fact, here's a riddle. What is 750,000 miles long, reaches around the earth 30 times, and grows 20 miles longer every day? The answer is the line of people who are without Christ. The magnitude of the need, Jesus described it this way. He says that he looked on them with compassion for they were like sheep. They were like people, they were, they were, they, they, these people were fainting and they were scattered abroad. They were like sheep, they were fainting. That word fainting means weary, fainted, harassed. It's the word skullo, S-K-U-L-L-O in the Greek. It means to flay or to harass. The word scattered abroad is Ripto, R-H-I-P-T-O. It's the idea of a sudden motion, to fling, to cast away. This isn't some kind of casting away, some kind of wearisome attitude, some kind of half-hearted thing. This is a violent oppression. This is people that are harassed and, and just broken, like the song we heard. Broken lives, broken people with broken lives. How many times do we pass by people? We don't know how broken people are. The Bible says that no man knows another man's sorrow. Although he has a smile on his face, he may be broken in his heart. No man knows another man's joy. Although he may look sad on the outside, he may have happiness in his heart. These are pictures I had a friend in high school, and he was a member of a club called the FFA, the Future Farmers of America. Each year, young students would grow some kind of animal. Uh, I had one kid, he, he, he had a, he, he'd always get a calf, and then in a year, it would be a yearling, and then they would take it to the state fair, and they would show the the animal and the judges would come and the fattest and the best and the strongest and the you know yearling would get the blue ribbon the red ribbon the yellow ribbon first second third prize and uh, it was a big deal we were although I was in a city we were kind of in the suburbs and we had some kids that were just a few blocks away on a farm and so some of the kids were into the farming 
and the Future Farmers of America. And uh, my particular friend that I'm thinking of, each year he would show chickens at the state fair. Uh, and, some of, so, and his dad, his dad raised exotic birds and exotic chickens. And so a number of my friends liked the idea. So what they would do is they would purchase chickens and they would feed them all year and care for them. And then at the time of the fair, they would go to the state fair and they'd show these chickens. <sighs> they would all show their chickens and he would basically, this kid would show his dad's chickens, <laughs> his exotic chickens. It was his dad's hobby. So one year, all the teenagers that had shown chickens arrived home about midnight from the fair. And when they got to my friend's house, they were tired. And they didn't want to take his dad's chickens and the doves and the pheasants to their individual pens. So instead, they put them all in one outside pen until the morning. Well, needless to say, the next morning, they were woken by the screaming of their father. Over the night, some type of animal had dug under the fence into the pen and killed some of the birds. There were dead birds scattered all over the pen. And the birds that had escaped the animal were cowering in the corners, shivering, half frightened to death. Let me just say this. It was a very sorry sight, and uh, my friend didn't sit for about a month. I always remember that story because I think that's kind of what Jesus sees when he sees multitudes of people whose lives have been destroyed by this world, whose lives have been destroyed by the devil and his works in the nation, and there was no one there to protect them. My second point is that there in the heart of Jesus and in the heart of his church should be a great concern for the harvest. The Bible says he was moved with compassion, moved with compassion. When I first came to Zimbabwe, I was almost on a daily basis shattered in my heart for the pain that people in this country suffered. Not just the war, but the hardship, the cruelty that another man can exert upon a human being. I'd go to schools and I'd see little children that were malnourished. I'd teach them right of entry. We went to the refugee camps and saw the cruelty that war and the devastation. We suffered through the economic collapse, through the mismanagement of our nation. We suffered through the cholera crisis, through the mismanagement of our water system. We'd never seen cholera in this country before, but because of selfish men who would rather eat than build the infrastructure of a nation. There's no shortage of people that want to help us. 
there is a shortage of people that care, that have compassion on their brothers and sisters. Jesus was not just concerned about physical needs, although he was, he was concerned deeply for the physical needs of the people. In fact, the Bible says that he was going about healing everybody. That was Jesus' mission. The book of Acts says that Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That's our calling. We're to model our lives after Jesus, every one of us. He saved us that we might seek and save the lost, carry out his great commission. But he was concerned for their spiritual needs. The Bible says that he was not willing that any should perish. Second Peter verses three, chapter three, verse nine says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God doesn't want anybody to perish. Some people say, oh, I wish Jesus would just come back. I'm saying, oh God, don't come back yet. I'm saying, please, Lord, give another generation. Please, Jesus, don't come back. There's a whole host of people that have never heard your name. There's a whole host of people in Zimbabwe that don't know Jesus. Have mercy on us. Let's, let's have many, as many go to heaven as possible. Let's have as many be saved as possible. God doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. Ezekiel 33, 11 says, Say unto them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? We need a repentance in our nation, a repentance from hard-heartedness, a repentance from cruelness, cold-heartedness, even in the church. Sometimes we're so busy being about our business, we forgot his business. You were bought with a price. All of us were. You were not your own. We were saved saved, not just to live for ourselves, not to live just for this life, but to live for eternity and to take as many people as we can with us. It's time for us to speak out and step out and see souls saved. My third point this morning is that God has a great plan for the gathering of the harvest. Just recently, our family, even the church and our community, has been hit by some kind of virus or sickness. This sickness has hit people very hard. There are many people today that have called me and said, we're not gonna be in church. In fact, our numbers are way down today. I think a lot of people are sick. I think a lot of people are cold. Winter's here. I think there's a lot of people that don't have any petrol. Winter's here. Some people don't have electricity. Winter's here. Recently, our family went through this and I, and, I, and, I, and I can see this uh, hitting a lot of people. A lot of people put on their backs. Kind of about a three day, four day thing. But how does this occur? Well, a virus is something that's very small as it enters the body. But then this virus begins to multiply and begins to infect more and more cells within your body. Eventually, there comes, they come into contact with more cells infecting them until this virus spreads throughout the whole body, causing the sickness. Then that infected person becomes the carrier. 
as he or she comes into contact with others, the virus begins to spread to those they come in contact with. Although many become, may become sick, in reality, it occurs one person at a time. It is passed on person to person, usually through contact, usually not, it's usually not even airborne. Usually it's through some kind of physical contact by or with the person, knowingly or unknowingly. In my house, we have a guest that had the same kind of toothpaste a toothbrush as the person that they were staying with and they used their toothbrush. Well, guess what? I don't want to mention any names, just follow my eyes. God's plan for the spread of the gospel is based on this same principle. I know we've had mass crusades But if I were today to ask how many were born again at a mass crusade, you'd be surprised at how many wouldn't raise their hand. But if I were to say how many of you were born again because somebody prayed for you, somebody spoke to you, somebody talked to you, somebody infected you with the gospel, every one of you would say, you know what, I may have given my life at that altar call, but it wasn't because of the altar call, it was because of my sister, my brother, my friend, my neighbor, my boss, my, some contact, some close person in your life. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. That's what I thought. So, the gospel is spread one person at a time. First of all, the gospel enters our lives through the word of God. There's one way to be saved. It's through accepting Jesus Christ, but that knowledge of Jesus Christ comes by the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't get saved any other way. You have to know the truth. You shall know the truth and it's the truth that makes you free. It's the Bible. It's the word of God. It's God's word to a man's heart. It's through the word of God that you get saved. Then it begins to, as that word begins to grow on the inside of you, it begins to spread through your life and it changes us inside of our, first of all, in our spirit, then in our souls, our mind, will, and emotions, and it affects our bodies. You are saved, spirit, soul, and body. The apostle Paul said, he says, I desire that this gospel work in you to the saving of your spirit, your soul, and your body. And then what happens is, if you're a healthy Christian, if you're a healthy believer, you become contagious. You can't help yourself. You spread this contagion to everybody you come in contact with. You spread it to the world. Tap your neighbor and say, I think he's talking about you. Matthew 4, verses 18 and 19, it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Peter called Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fisher of men. Can I tell you something? You may not be a fisherman, but you are a fisher of men now. The day you gave your life to Jesus, you no longer live for yourself. You live to fish for men. But I'm a carpenter. Well, you're a carpenter for men. I'm a finance guy. You're a finance guy for men. I'm a banker. Bankers can't get saved. 
<laughs> All right, maybe they can, I don't know. Bankers and lawyers, they're, they're on the line, you know. You heard about the guy that was on his deathbed. He could hardly talk. He's laying there. And he could hardly move. And he calls his wife over. And his wife comes, what do you want? He says, get my banker and get my lawyer. She says, you're dying. Get my banker, get my lawyer. So she gets his banker and lawyer. He can hardly breathe. He says, I want one on this side of my bed or one on this side. <laughs> his wife said, what is wrong with you? You're dying. He says, I want to die like Jesus. <laughs> A thief on either side of me. <laughs> The truth is stranger than fiction, you know that. <laughs> Romans 10, verse 13 through 15 says this. For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Say that out loud. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that bring the gospel or preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Boy, I'm going to tell you something. Every one of you is in this church. You're under the sound of an apostolic team. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. We're not here to be the big heroes. We are not the preachers. We are here to equip the preachers. You are the preacher. Tap your neighbor, say, you're the preacher. Tell your neighbor, you're the minister. You're the minister of this gospel. Will you come here so we can equip you to do the work of the ministry, to preach the gospel to the poor. That's what it's all about. What we need today is people who are truly infected with Jesus Christ and become carriers to those around about them. My fourth point is that there's a great dilemma concerning this harvest. Matthew 9, 37, he said, then saith he to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There's a man named Paul W. Powell, and he wrote a book called The Complete Disciple. A, it's not a new book, but it's a powerful book. And one of the things he described in his book concerning this condition is he said this. He said, many churches today remind me of a laboring crew trying to gather a harvest while they sit in the tool shed. They go to the tool shed every Sunday and they study bigger and better methods of agriculture, sharpening their hose, greasing their tractors, and then they get up and they go home. 
Then they come back that night, study bigger and better methods of agriculture, sharpen their hoes, grease their tractors, and go home again. They meet in groups on Wednesday night and again study bigger and better methods of agriculture, sharpen their hoes, grease their tractors, and get up and go home. They do this week in and week out, year in and year out, and nobody ever goes out into the fields to gather in the harvest. I, I read, I read I, when I read that, it was many years ago I read it, but when I read it, I thought, man, isn't that what the church is like? Salt in a salt shaker. Farmers in a farmer's meeting. But farmers were never meant to stay in a shed. They were meant to get out and work the harvest. My next point is there's a great command for the harvest. Matthew 9, 38 says this, pray ye the Lord of the harvest. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. Andrew Murray in 1910, Andrew Murray, he was from this part of the world. And he said this at a world missionary conference. He said, we shall need three times more men, four times more money, and seven times more prayer if we're going to reap this harvest. What a statement. Three times more men, four times more money, and seven times more prayer. Today, it's one thing for us to sit in a week of services that talk about step up, speak up, speak out, step out. But it's another thing to step out. Matthew 28 says this. And Jesus came and said unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. This morning, I believe it's imperative, I believe it's important that we do more than talk about speaking out, that we do more than talk about and preach about stepping out. We must step out. We must step out and we must reap God's harvest. We must reap his harvest. Every one of you knows not one, but many people that God has brought across, brought across your path to reach that you can talk to. Nobody else can talk to him. You can. You can. That doesn't mean you go and try to 
plant the seed, water the seed, prepare the soil, and get the harvest all at the same time. Some, some people were crazy. We're crazy people. No, you start by talking to people, preaching, speaking. Preaching isn't always from a pulpit. Did you know that? It is important that we don't take lightly the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, of all people in our nation, you and I should begin to understand that the things of this world are really, really like vapor. How many times have our bank accounts been emptied for us? Hmm? How many times have we been told, yes, put your money in the Nostra account? Are you putting your money in the Nostra account? <laughs> if, if you're putting your money in the Nostra account, you should check your forehead because there's a word on, written on the forehead. It's called stupid. <laughs> hey, listen, bitten once, shame on you. Bitten twice, or shame on the government. Bitten twice, or the Reserve Bank, or whoever steals it. I don't know, they all steal it. But bitten twice, or bitten three times, bitten four times. Guys, please. Please. Here's the point. We know that money, position, title is fleeting. The things of this earth are fleeting. I have been with some of you, you've been rich, you've been poor, you've been rich again, you've been poor again, you've been rich again, you've been poor again. At one time, everybody in Zimbabwe was a multi-trillionaire. Everybody. It's the only nation in the world that everyone in the nation was a hundred trillionaire or more. That's amazing. I go all over the world and tell people, I come from a nation where the whole nation <laughs> were trillionaires. Take that. I never tell them that the $100 trillion note was only worth 38 cents. But. <laughs> you see how you laugh at it? That's what I love about Zimbabweans. We hit calamity and somehow, I don't know why and how we do it. But we kind of pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we say, oh well. We'll f- make a plan. We'll figure it out. But you know what? And you do. I don't know how you do it. But you do. But you know what? Think about this. Think about it. Think about if we would just stop and say, hey, you know what? As much as we focused on all this natural stuff and as fleeting as it is, how about if we take a step back and we look at something of eternal value? People. People. Can we just play that song one more time? While we play this song, if God touches your heart, There may be a people next to you. Just check and make sure it's a people. A person. Is there a person next to you? While this song is playing, if God touches your heart to talk to that person and say, hey, you know what? In our church, we don't just 
do church alone anymore. We do it together. And if, you, if that person doesn't know the Lord, would you just grab them by the hand and say, hey, you know what? When this song's over, I know what our pastor's going to do. He's going to call people to come to the altar to give their lives to the Lord. I'll go with you. Would you like to go? So as soon as the song's over, I'm going to ask you to stand. And then those of you that know that that person needs Jesus, just ask them and bring them to the altar. And that's okay. Those that don't know Jesus, let somebody bring you because people need the Lord. You can play that song whenever it's ready. I'm going to keep talking anyway. Come on, listen to these words. Isn't this our country right now? Isn't this you? Isn't this me? I tell you, I know who needs the Lord. I do. Every day they pass me by I can see it in their eyes Empty people filled with care Headed who knows where On they go Why don't we all just stand for a minute to the last verse. We are called to take his life to a world where wrong seems right. What could be too great a cause for sharing life with one whose love the grief they bear, they must hear the words of life, only we can share.
say come on let's go this is our day the world has broken you but Jesus came to save you he came to save and he came to seek the lost he came to heal all those that were oppressed thanks for listening for more teachings and videos visit celebrationmen.org